Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. And I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, we have got a really great show today. It's going to be very interesting, and we are going to be talking about the afterlife, and also we're going to be talking about some of the issues that I know so many people have got, Heidi, because people are wondering what has happened when someone has died, where have they gone, what's going on, and uh, and and we've got somebody here who's got some great ideas about it. You want to introduce our guest, Heidi? Sure. As I said, our guest today is Mark Anthony, and Mark is known as the Psychic Lawyer and Psychic Explorer. He is the author of the best-selling books, Never Letting Go and Evidence of Eternity. Mark is a world-renowned psychic medium, and I thought this was interesting. He is an Oxford-educated attorney. So welcome to the show, Mark. It can't be an easy field to live in. Not, no, it isn't. And because yeah, a lot of people say to me, I wish I could do what you do and, and communicate with uh, deceased loved ones. And the reason they say that is because they want to be able to communicate with their deceased loved ones. And who wouldn't? But it comes with a lot of responsibility. And there's a lot of people who will never want to believe this because there's a difference between a skeptic and a cynic. A skeptic is an open minded person who wants to see evidence and be persuaded. A cynic is a closed-minded person, and no matter what you present, nothing's going to change their mind. So that's just part of it, because as you correctly pointed out, Gloria, it's about helping people. It's about love and making that connection between people here in this world and their loved ones in spirit. So, so Mark, I've got to ask you something before we really launch into this topic. How did you go from being an Oxford-educated attorney, so to go being a lawyer and, and then becoming a psychic? This, this runs in my family for generations. Okay. In fact, um, my mother's family emigrated from Italy, and they looked at it as a gift from God. They called it the gift of second sight. Mm -hmm. And a few years ago, on, in, um, I think it was in 2016, PBS did a two-night special called The Italian-Americans. And they did an entire segment on my maternal great-grandmother, Giovanna, who had come over from Italy. And in uh, New York City and northern New Jersey, she was known as the woman who knew things. Mm -hmm. So they actually discussed her psychic and mystical abilities. My father's family had come over a couple centuries before that, and they were real waspy Pennsylvanians. But uh, my father, his sister Marjorie, his... Um, his grandmother, maternal grandmother, um, Isabel, and his, his mother, Grace, all had these abilities as well. So when my mother and father met, they, they were both mediums. And this is something that wasn't discussed then. Long story short, they ended up having me. I was, uh, I'm, I'm their youngest. And when I was about three and a half, I started seeing dead people. And my parents understood what was going on. Mom was okay with it. Dad was concerned because he'd seen what uh, his father, particularly his sister, who was horribly treated because, because of uh, her abilities. 
And as I got older, I was drawn to the spiritual, which is not unusual for, for a medium. And I'd actually considered going into the clergy, but uh, then I decided there are too many rules and regulations, and I decided to go to law school instead, which talk about rules and regulations, and <laughs> yeah, you're married to an attorney. And uh, so that, in a nutshell, is, is hopefully the answer to your question. Wow. So, so let's get to some of the uh, questions that people are asking. Um, people are asking specific questions about their loved ones, but one of the themes and patterns together is the idea of, are they okay? Are they okay? Isn't that kind of the number one thing when there's been a death? Well, certainly. And the reason people feel that is because we get very caught up into how our loved ones died. And especially, let's say somebody dies of a protracted disease like cancer and a debilitating thing, or perhaps a parent who suddenly lost a child uh, with no warning. And so you, you get completely mired in the quagmire of grief. And we have to look at our death, or what, well, the way spirits look at their death. It's a doorway, a threshold they had to go through to get to this new elevated level of consciousness. Now, the work that I do um, certainly involves faith and spirituality, but it's heavily rooted in quantum physics. And that's one of the things that I study along with philosophy, theology, archaeology, history, and biology, and because I believe that it's all there. We have to put everything together. Long story short, Gloria, spirits are pure energy. Energy is neither created nor destroyed. It is only transferred from one form to another. The soul, the spirit, the consciousness, whatever you want to call it, pre-existed the body, comes into the body, and leaves when the body dies. And energy doesn't get old, it doesn't get sick, it can't die, and it's never unhappy. We're the ones that are grieving and unhappy. Spirits transition from being finite, material world, corporeal beings like us to becoming or reverting back to a, a, um, a purely energetic state. So they're never alone, they're never miserable, they're never unhappy, we are. Now, talk, a lot of people ask about signs, signs and connections. Absolutely, in both of my books, Never Letting Go and my book, Evidence of Eternity, I explain how people can recognize uh, contact experiences and signs. Uh, never letting go, I explain a number of contact experiences and how to recognize them. And then when I was on the Never Letting Go promotion tour, so many people kept asking about that. So in my book, Evidence of Eternity, I went into a greater explanation and I call them frequency beacons. And here's how I like to explain it. Think of everyone that you know and that, you're love, uh, that you love, both in this world, the material world, and in spirit form, the other side. We're all interconnected. It's like a three-dimensional spider web, but let's take the creepy spider out of it, <laughs> okay? And, and how, how does a spider know something's in a spider web? Through vibration. So let's say that you've lost a loved one and you're grieving intensely and you're sending a vibration along that tether. The spirit picks up on it and it will draw him or her to you. And because they're pure electromagnetic energy, they move at the speed of light. And that's why, and they, they too can take advantage of these frequency beacons and send an emission to you. For example, 
let's say that you're driving your car and you're thinking so much about a loved one who died and you're compelled to turn on the radio and there is that song. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You see, you're smiling because it's happened to everybody. Or what if you're somewhere and suddenly you smell a perfume or a scent associated with that loved one, but there's no source for it. Or maybe you catch a glimpse of your loved one out of the corner of your eye. Or if you're looking in a mirror, you feel like you've caught a glimpse of them there. One of the most popular forms of frequency beacons is in the dream state. And it's more than just dreaming about somebody in a surrealistic, you know, crazy sense. It's when you have a conversation with that loved one and it's a real conversation. It has a beginning, a middle and an end. And when you wake up, you know that, that it was real. And these are all various forms of, of, and I know I tend to get technical, but it's interdimensional communication. We live in the material world dimension. They live in the other side dimension. And occasionally, quite often, all the time, the vibrations of the two dimensions overlap. If, if you'll indulge me just for another minute, think of our world as AM radio. Okay, we use energy, frequency, but we're moving at a much slower frequency than FM radio, which is frequency modulation. But the two frequencies, spirits will bring theirs down from a higher vibration. We bring ours up from a lower vibration. We get a frequency match and voila, there's the contact experience. So Mark, when you, when yeah. you connect with people on the other side, do you see them or just feel them or hear them or just depends? Um, I, I do all of the above. I see them, hear them, feel them, uh, know things about them. Uh, during a reading, it's not unusual for me to taste things and smell things. I was doing a reading the other day and I said, God, I'm just tasting the best cherry pie ever. And the lady I was doing the reading for started giggling. She goes, oh my God, my mom made like the best cherry pie. And, and it was her mother, of course, who, who was transmitting that particular taste to me. You know, so, and I'm perpetually on a diet, so it was like, gee, thanks. <laughs> so here's another question. Uh, several people ask about suicide. The question is, why did they do it? You know, suicide. Wow. Well, suicide is a very complex behavior, and I go very heavily into this in Evidence of Eternity. And suicide affects all of us. I can't think of anyone that I know whose life has not somehow been affected by someone who died by suicide. And in recent years, psychiatrists and the American Psychological Association has advocated removing the term committed suicide and replacing it with died by suicide because of the negative connotations associated with the word commit, like it's a sin and it's a bad act. And, and you know, you can get into that debate if you want, but out of respect for people who've lost loved ones from suicide, I, I've adopted saying that they died from suicide. But what happens generally in suicide? Think of the people in 9-11 who were in the Twin Towers and we saw those horrific images, if you were there, or on, on television of people jumping out of the buildings. And, and I heard so many, so many people watching that say, how, why would those people jump to their death? Because they were faced with being incinerated, being burned alive, or jumping out of a window. Now, 
either scenario is not great, but for the people who jump to their death, they figured that would be much, much less painful than being burned alive. Now, extrapolate that, and, and let's face it, the folks that went to work that day on 9-11, they had no intention of dying. They didn't want to die. But all of a sudden, the reality became a blazing, hellish horror from which there was no other escape but to do that. And when it comes to suicide, psychologically, the person who's in the, the mindset of, of, of suicide believes that his or her reality is a living hell and that there's no escape from it. And it is so pervasive, so all-consuming, and that the only way to, to get away from it is terminating their awareness, their consciousness. And I've heard so many people be very critical. Oh, nothing's that bad. Why didn't they call me? Why didn't they do this? But the person you, who's- You really can't know the mind of another. You cannot. Very, very painful. But let me ask you, what are the spirits thinking now? The people that are living, well, first we establish the connection with the spirit. And spirits are never unhappy. They're never sad. And they don't go to hell. Hell is a mythical concept. And, and I, in fact, I give a whole lecture on the history and the development of the concept of hell from from um, the Bronze Age all the way up to, to really Dante um, eight centuries ago. That's where our concept of hell was uh, cemented. But people who have died from suicide, you have to think of your spirit as a drop of water. And when that drop of water leaves the host, which is the brain, and plunges into the eternal sea of consciousness of the other side, when they leave the body, they're not sick, they're not disturbed, they're not depressed. And, uh, and this is where I take issue with a lot of my colleagues that are mediums about wounded souls and, oh, they're wandering the earth and all that nonsense. The fact is they're pure electromagnetic energy. They revert to an infinite consciousness and they're interconnected with, with uh, what I call the collective consciousness. So when a spirit establishes communication with me and I'm doing a session for somebody who's lost a loved one through suicide, many times the spirit will begin to discuss why they did this, what was going on with them. Most of the time they're apologetic, but I've had a number of instances where they weren't and they weren't being malicious about it. They're saying, this is what was going on with me. It wasn't going to change. I had, if, if, I, if I may, I had one instance where this, this uh, spirit, he said that if he didn't commit suicide, he was going to murder the woman I was doing the reading for and her son. And that was a very, like, to me, almost disturbing message that came through. And after the reading, she said that he was schizophrenic and his medication was no longer working. Mm -hmm. and, and, and she said that nothing any doctor could do for him. And in a sense, what he did was his last act of heroism. He loved her so much, he figured if I don't take myself out, I'm gonna kill these people. And it was, it was really, really heavy. There seems to be a lot of guilt around with the bereaved, you know, that they could have done something and, and that kind of thing. It seems to me there are two patterns. When you see people who've had a loss, I know you work with helping parents heal a lot of bereaved parents. It seems that there are kind of two patterns. One is shame and one is guilt. Well, not, not to be flippant, but 
being of Italian descent and being raised Catholic and being a lawyer, guilt is not exactly a stranger uh, in my world. Um, but but leaving leaving all joking aside, guilt is horrible. Um, guilt is a a nine constant companion, and it can really destroy your life. And it, particularly for parents who've lost a child, it's very very normal and typical to feel guilty because parents want to see themselves as superheroes that could have swooped in at the last moment and rescued their child or cured the disease or, or what have you. Um, and, and obviously that, that's, that's not the case. But in, in spirit communication, this can help people recover from guilt when the spirit comes through and explains to them the circumstances of his or her passing and how the person receiving the message had no responsibility, it were, were, were not at fault. And I've even had uh, situations where somebody who had inadvertently killed somebody and the spirit came through and, and essentially said, well, this was the time that I was designated to leave the material world. So there's no quick cure for guilt. I think that it can take years, but you know, as we all know, Gloria, the longest journey begins with that first step. We tend to judge spirits by human standards. And many people tend to think that spirits are just invisible humans that uh, with our same foibles and limitations. And in the work that I've done, and I've done readings for at least 15,000 people, and in each reading, uh, multiple spirits come through. So in, in my lifetime, I've communicated easily with well over 100,000 spirits. And I've yet to meet one that says, oh, I'm miserable. Oh, I'm so sad. Oh, I'm in pain. And we have to realize that the brain is an organ. And it is an organ that is designed for finite perception because everything that we know has limitations, a beginning, a middle, and an end. But our spirit is an immortal living being. And that when we die and that organ no longer works, the spirit's released from it and reverts back to being aware that what we truly are is an immortal living being with this infinite perspective. So, of course, they're always happy. Also, you know, people say, oh, well, I see them again. Because on the quantum level, and, and this is a whole nother, nother discussion, time as we know it doesn't exist. Past, present, and future is occurring simultaneously according to quantum theory. Long story short, so let's say that there's someone that you love, Heidi, who dies. You may live another 50 years, but in that spirit's reckoning, you'll be over there with him or her on the other side in the blink of an eye. So, so that's why they're never worried about, oh, do they miss me and all that? Well, first off, they don't because they can be with you anytime they want. And when I talk about spirits being electromagnetic energy, everything in the electromagnetic spectrum moves at 186,282 miles per second. So in the time it took me just to say that, a spirit of your loved one could have been back and forth to the moon like four times around the world and popped off in Japan maybe to visit somebody at tea time. That's how fast they move. And, and also, one of the questions that Gloria asked is, what are they doing? And I've asked them that. And they go, well, you can't understand this. I'm like, okay, stop telling me that. What do you guys do? And I got the distinct impression they were laughing at me, so they dumbed it down for me. They said, 
that they are evolving, learning, and increasing. And from the best I can understand is that essentially the other side is, is like, once again, our souls like a drop of water plunges into the eternal sea of collective consciousness. They're part of, for lack of a better term, a cosmic internet, and they're able to access all types of inner information and perceive things that we can't even conceive of. So, so they are very busy, very happy, and of course, once again, they don't get sick, they don't get tired, they don't get old, they don't die. And do you believe they ever come back into another body or no? Absolutely. Uh, not just in the readings that I've done, but in, um, I'm also, um, I have a significant background in near-death experience research and also having been a near-death experiencer myself when I was four years old. And um, <laughs> that was a trip, but <laughs> literally and figuratively. But the thing is, near-death experiencers believe in reincarnation. Spirits talk about reincarnation. Why? Because energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred from one form to another. So when this host, this body ceases to exist, and then our, our electromagnetic field in our brain, which you can, and I can call the soul or the consciousness, leaves, it, you know, it then goes to another dimension, and then it can, re, can and does reattach to another host, meaning a fetus. And so that's the, the technical, and I'm giving you the, the Cliff Notes version of, of what reincarnation is. And it appears that we all go through a series of incarnations. So I had to ask some spirits one time, I was in the thick of it, I go, so when do we get to hang out with God? You know, when, when, when do we stop coming back? Once again, I got the impression they're laughing at me. And they said, well, you know, it, it's, not a, it's not a Michelangelo painting the other side. Okay, it's not where we're hanging out in clouds and playing harps. Apparently, when this dimension, this planet ceases to, to support life and function, we're essentially transferred to another one, and the cycle begins again. And I'm like, seriously? Well, that sounds like a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And uh, they said, Mark, energy is eternal. The journey is eternal and you're always with God. Everything's online and I will be doing readings on many radio shows and programs. Go to my website, evidenceofeternity.com, the same as my last book, Evidence of Eternity. And please, when you're there, uh, you can find out about booking a telephone reading with me and for the benefit of all the listeners, if you mention Gloria or Heidi and open to hope, you'll qualify for a reduced fee on, on a session with me. Uh, telephone session. And please uh, subscribe to my newsletter, follow me on Facebook, uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel, um, because this will let you know about what I'm doing and also uh, news on upcoming projects that I've got. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate it. You're a wonderful person and a lot of fun. So thank you so much. And thanks for the good you're doing for the world. Thank you. God bless. Thank you, Mark, and thank you for bringing hope to so many. And thanks, everybody, for being on the show today and for joining us. And Heidi and I want to remind you always that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own, and God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.